Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. Everyone longs to make their mark on this world. Like Jimmy Stewart's character, George Bailey, in one of my favorite films, It's a Wonderful Life. Mary, I know what I'm going to do tomorrow and the next day and next year and the year after that. I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet and I'm going to see the world. If you're familiar with that movie, you know that George Bailey never leaves Bedford Falls and never goes on to do anything big as he had hoped for. But you know what? That's not such a bad thing after all, because he makes a significant difference in the lives of many of his friends. And I love the movie as well, Jim. That point right there is so beautifully made in it. And uh, this is Focus on the Family with Focus President and author Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller, and today we'll hear about big dreams that don't always work out like we planned. John, it's so easy to have high expectations, especially when you're young. But God sometimes works through the mundane, through the small things in life to accomplish his big goals. And the story we're about to hear will be a good reminder for us. Our award-winning radio drama, Adventures in Odyssey, has been going strong for more than 35 years. Can you imagine that? That is a long run. And we have an episode that will illustrate the significance of the small things. Uh, We know that you, as a parent, want to help build imagination into your child's life. And Adventures in Odyssey is a great way to do that. The Imagination Station is a big part of the storyline in many of the episodes, and today's broadcast will demonstrate the importance of having a good imagination. Right, and if you aren't familiar with Adventures in Odyssey, or maybe you've been a longtime fan but just haven't listened lately, we have a free 14-day trial of the Adventures in Odyssey Club. You can learn more about the club and accessing episodes at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. Well, we hope you and your kids are going to be encouraged by the story you're about to hear on this special episode of Focus on the Family. Hi, Mr. Whitaker. What are you doing? Hi, Trent. I'm just finishing up an invention for Eugene. He's organizing an event at the homeless shelter in Connellsville. I hate to break it to you, but cash registers have already been invented. Oh, well, well, this is a little different than that. Uh, It's a machine that uh, helps organize the names and families of the people who come into the shelter. They get a number, and when it lights up on the panel here, they go up to get their meal. Cool. Yeah, it should help with the long lines they have over there right now. Yeah. Oh, I'm almost done. Oh, uh, let's see, I need a three-eighths drill bit. Do you see one around here? Yeah, here. Ah. I'll change it. Oh, good, thanks. Ah. Trent, uh, something on your mind? You know that show they're putting on at the church? Uh, the one about the fruits of the Spirit? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I tried out for it today. And I'm guessing it didn't go too well? Well, I thought it did. Everyone said my audition was really good, but apparently not good enough. I didn't get a part. Oh, well, I'm sorry, Trent. I know that's disappointing. The thing is, they put on the same show in Richland last year, and like 50 people got saved. I just wanted to be a part of something that big. Well, maybe there are other ways you could get involved, like uh, lighting or putting together the program or something like that. The director asked me if I would be the seating systemizing manager. Oh, that sounds important. Oh, it's just a fancy title for the guy who sets up chairs. Well, setting up chairs allows you to be part of the show. But you don't change lives by setting up chairs. You change lives by playing the fruit of patience. Huh. So you want to do something big for God? Yes! Hmm. You know what? 
I have an imagination station adventure that just might be the ticket for you. Is it about people doing important things? Oh, that's one way of looking at it, yeah. Are you up for it? Well, I guess so. I'm not doing anything important here. <laughs> Come on. I just push the red button to start, right? Yep. Okay, thanks. Pushing the red button. Launch sequence engaged. Constitution Island. New York, 1860. Whoa. Where am I? Whose house am I in? Oh, hello. You're here early. Uh, I am? You're here for the Bible study, right? Uh, I guess so. Do you teach it? Sometimes. I'm Anna Warner, by the way. <laughs> I'm Trent. So, this must be a big, important Bible study, huh? Not really. Just a few of the West Point cadets. Usually 15 or so. Oh. Were you expecting something larger? Well, kind of. Well, do you want to help me make sandwiches? I always like to have a snack for everyone. Well, sure. So what else do you do? Um, lemonade? No, I, I mean... You don't just set up a Bible study at your house, do you? you? You, uh, seem like a person who does a lot of big things, right? Oh, I don't know about that. I help out my father, write some books with my sister. You write books? Oh, cool. I'm not very good at it, I'm afraid. Oh. My sister Susan, though, is wonderful at it. She's written some books that have been very successful. Is she coming? Not tonight. She's sick. We're working together on a book now, though Susan wrote most of it. We're just writing it for a friend. Ugh. Oh, no. This is about setting up chairs. The book? No, this. Right here. Mr. Whitaker sent me here to show me that even doing the little things, like making sandwiches and setting up chairs, is important. Well, we do need to set up chairs before everyone gets here. Aha! I knew it. I don't understand. I think I should go. Now, where is that stop button? Where are you going? There it is. The Bible study is for an Ah, That was a waste of time. But I still wish I could see people doing big things for God. Mr. Whitaker! Mr. Whitaker, are you out there? Hmm. Computer, what program is currently loaded? Program name is... Small tasks for God. I knew it. Hmm. I wonder. Computer, change program to important tasks for God. Program loaded. Important tasks for God. Please press the red button to begin. Ha! Gladly. Now this will be an adventure.
like spices here. Help me! Huh? Oh, with what? What's the matter? He's coming to get me! Who? There you are! It's too late! <laughs> hey, let go of her! Stop it! If I have to use chains to keep you from running, then that is what I will do! <laughs> I'll be back. What, what in the world? Here. Let me help you. No, go away. He's already seen you. He'll hurt you if you do helping me. Uh, I can't loosen the chain. Don't try. Uh, I'll try to find someone to help. Can anybody help me? Please. Boy, over here. Huh? You've got to help me. A man just chained that girl to a post. I know. I saw it. Then why don't you want to help her? I do. But you're going about it the wrong way. Then let's get the police. We need to report this. She is a temple slave. The guards can treat her however they desire. In a, in a temple? Isn't that like a church? It is not a temple to the one true God. It is a Hindu temple. Oh, come over here, where we can talk without being noticed. Okay. Now, what's your name? Trent. I am Amy. You don't sound like you're from India. I hail from Ireland, but we mustn't let anyone know that. I'm posing as an Indian woman. Well, you, you sure don't look Irish. I dye my skin with tea bags. I thought I smelled chamomile. Mm -hmm. So, are you going to use this disguise to help that little girl? Yes, that's why I'm here. To rescue temple slave girls. As you can see, they're treated horribly. How will you rescue her? By whatever means necessary. I've helped hundreds escape, but there are thousands more. And then what? Will she go back to her parents? <laughs> more than likely, her parents sold her to this man. What? So my friends and I try to find safe places for them to live. Okay, I want to help. What can I do? Look back over at the steps. Do you see the guard? Yeah, he's coming back for the girl. Right, it's time for a temple ritual. Now once he unchains her, you must distract him. Then I'll try to sneak away with the girl. But we have to be quick, we don't have much time. There, he's unchained her. I'm on it. Hey guard! Look at me! I'm going swimming in your holy fountain thing here! You! Get out of there! That is a sacred temple fountain! Yeah, <laughs> that's it! I'm out of here! What? No, don't stop the adventure now! This is important! Where am I going now? Solomon C, 1943. Solomon C? Where's that? In the Pacific Ocean. Problem? Oh, no. Except that it's really dark and I'm in a really small boat in the middle of a really big ocean. You know, I don't like boats. Or the ocean. Or the dark. You're in the Navy, sailor. Keep your voice down. You want the Japanese to hear us? <clears throat> I'm guessing I don't. So are the Japanese after us? What? You took a little nap during the briefing? We're intercepting the Japanese supply convoys. This lot of water is like a highway for them. Right. We have to relay their ship positions back to command headquarters. Sounds like something big and important. Quiet, both of you. What is it, Skipper? Do you hear that? Yeah. What is it? There's a ship nearby. How near? 
to tell. I can't see a thing. Don't we have equipment for this kind of thing? Radar or something? We've been separated from the boats that have radar. Is the ship a friendly? Can't be. We're the only American ship out here. So it's Japanese? Yes. What do we do? Keep quiet. Maybe we can hear where it's going. It's getting closer. I still don't see anything. I don't know, Skipper. We're sitting ducks out here. Maybe we should... Uh, it's a destroyer! We're sinking! Over the side! Boat! 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 Oh, swimming is another thing I don't like. The fuel tank! It's gonna fall! Swim away from the ship! Make for the island! That's three miles! We don't have a choice! Now go! Oh, boy. Where am I? The jungle? Sailor, bring those coconut branches here. Oh, uh, yes, sir. Whoa. He got burned pretty bad. McMahon got the brunt of the explosion. Well, of those who survived. Is he gonna make it? Not if we're here much longer. Wrap this cord around that tree. I'll take the other end. Yes, sir. We need to rig the branches to shade him. This sun is only making his burns worse. It's amazing it lasted this long. There. How long have we been here? It's been four days since the wreck. I don't know how much longer we'll last without food. There's no food? Not on this island. Well, wasn't there anybody monitoring us out in the ocean? Can't they come and rescue us? The ocean is big. It's like finding a needle in a haystack. They've probably given up on us by now. Skipper! Skipper! What is it, Ross? There are two men down on the beach. Japanese? No, natives. They could be working for the Japanese. Might even be scouts. Well, what do you think, sir? Should we talk to them? I don't like it. Not without any way to defend ourselves. No guns? Maybe you didn't notice, sailor, but it's tough carrying a gun while you're swimming. Still, this could be our only opportunity off this island. We better chance it. Let's go. There they are, underneath that tree. I see them. They look friendly to me. Let's do this. Hello there! Who are you? I don't need the gun! Wait, don't wait, shoot! Don't want to hurt you! We are from America! You are American? Yes, that's us. We're Americans. Oh, then we're on the same side. We are? Yes, we are scouts for the Americans. Oh, praise God! <laughs> My name is Biuko. I'm Jack. This is Ross and Trent. Hello. Hi. There are nine more of our soldiers back at the jungle. We, we need to get a message to the Americans. The American base is nearly 40 miles from here by canoe. Uh, I will go at first light tomorrow. What about the Japanese patrols? I, I will try to avoid them. Thank you. And please hurry. My men won't last much longer. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Focus on the Family Clubhouse and Focus on the Family Clubhouse Junior Magazines are fun and educational for your children. There's a story that Clubhouse does every month where it's pictures, so the words of the story are written and then objects and characters are pictures instead of words. And so that has been great for early reading in a way that I didn't expect. 
Learn more at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Club Radio. One in five households cares for a child with special needs. Is yours one of them? If so, we know you want your child to be taken care of no matter what happens. If you want to secure your child's future by preparing a will but need extra guidance for your unique situation, Focus on the Family can help. Download our resource, 15 Questions to Ask If You Have a Child with Special Needs. It's our gift to you at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Special Needs eBook. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Constitution Island, New York, 1860. What am I doing back in this house? This was the boring story. You're back. Hi. Miss Warner, right? That's right. Last time you were early, and now you're late. The study ended an hour ago. Oh. Then what am I doing here? I was thinking I should be asking you that. But I suppose I should simply thank you for giving me a break. A break from what? I've been working on a song for this book I'm writing with Susan. And, well, I don't know. It's not going very well. Mm. May I read it? There's not much to see. It's a simple song. Too simple, most likely. But that's where my mind went, so that's what I wrote. What's the song for? The story is about a little boy who's sick. The boy's Sunday school teacher comes to visit him and encourages him with a song. But, well, I suppose you might as well just read it. Be honest about what you think. Okay, let's see. Jesus loves me, this I know. Yeah. I know this song. <laughs> How could you know it? Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Where's the part you wrote? What do you mean? I just made it up. <laughs> just made it up? Wait, you mean you wrote this? You wrote Jesus loves me? Well, I haven't really titled it. Do you know how many people will hear this song? What do you mean? Kids in churches all over the world will sing it, and everyone will know it. (laughs) Oh, that's a nice thought. Can I get you some lemonade? Trent! Amy! Where did you come from? I... It's hard to explain. What happened to the girl? Did you rescue her? I let her answer that. Hello. Hi! You made it out. That's great. Thank you for helping. Yes. Bakula will not soon forget your kindness. And that temple guard will not soon forget you waiting in the temple fountain. (laughs) (laughs) I was happy to help. So... How did you get her out? I hid her under my shawl. And nobody noticed? Your distraction helped. Miss Carmichael is very good at what she does. Miss Carmichael? Wait a minute. Amy Carmichael? I think I've heard of you before. Hopefully not near the temple. I'd like to keep my identity secret. Would you like some tea? Uh, Thank you, Bakula. Thank you for saving my life. Oh, I hope you'll be safe here. 
Ah, uh, she will. I think I will go sit with the other girls. That sounds like a fine idea, Bakula. I'll have them teach you a song. They know one that will help you sleep peacefully after your ordeal today. It's called Jesus Loves Me. Yes, Miss Carmichael. You know Jesus Loves Me? It is one of my favorites. Huh, I'm getting this now. God used that song in my life in a powerful way. I grew up in a Christian family, but it wasn't until I was a teenager and I heard Jesus Loves Me that I knew I wanted to follow him wherever he took me. And India is where he wants me. Wow. That song had that big of an impact on you? The love of God had that big of an impact on me. But that song made me realize it. Olasana Island, 1943. I wonder if the guys were rescued. What's going on? Buko is back with the Marines. We're saved. Excellent. Hang on, McMahon. Just a few hours and we'll be safe. You're gonna make it. I am sorry it took us so long. The, the Japanese patrols, they were closing in on us. Oh, thanks, Buku. Well, gentlemen, it's been a long six days, but we made it. Oh, six days without food? It was a miracle you survived. You bet. God saved us. Yes, thank God. How about a victory song, Ross? I know just the one. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Wait a minute. Yuku, how do you know that song? Oh, a missionary taught it to our village. Well, then it's the perfect song. Come on, Lieutenant Kennedy. Come on, everybody. Jesus loves me. Wait, your name is Kennedy? That's right. John Fitzgerald Kennedy. But I'm also known as Jack. No way. You're going to be president someday. <laughs> One mission at a time, sailor. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Welcome back, Trent. I was just coming to check on you. That was amazing. <laughs> I take it you liked the adventure. I mean, all Anna Warner did was write this short little song in some book that no one's ever heard of. And it changed the world. She impacted slave girls in India and sailors in World War II. Did that really happen to John F. Kennedy? Oh, yes, yes. He was rescued from a small island in the Pacific and... When they were being rescued, the men sang, Jesus Loves Me. Well, I'm glad I switched the adventure so I could see it all. Oh, it makes you think you switched it. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's the way it was planned from the beginning. Really? <laughs> you knew I wanted a big, important adventure, didn't you? You knew I'd change it. Well, I had my suspicions. 
So the machine was programmed to take you on that journey regardless of how you changed it. That's pretty sneaky, Mr. Whitaker. <laughs> Trent, I, I know you want to make a big difference for God, but oftentimes that means doing the little things, whatever we can do, and letting him be the one who decides if they ever become big. But more than anything, he should always receive the glory, because anything good that happens, happens ultimately because of him, right? You're right, Mr. Whitaker. Thanks. Hmm. Maybe I will set up chairs for the church performance. <laughs> boy. Oh, and right now, maybe you could help me with another project. Sure. What's that? Well, I need help loading my invention into the truck so I can take it down to the homeless shelter. <laughs> I'd be happy to help. Are you sure? It's a pretty insignificant job. Hey, you never know. It might just change the world. This is Focus on the Family, and we've been listening to a special presentation of our radio drama, Adventures in Odyssey. Hey John, what a great reminder for us as we're going through the daily routines of what may seem like insignificant actions. God may be using those actions to orchestrate something to deeply influence others. Yeah, that reminds me of the boy uh, in the book of Matthew who brought the loaves and the fishes to the disciples. Uh, he didn't know. That was a great example. Exactly. And we don't know much about that child in the story, but he did something significant in faith. Uh, giving a gift that the Lord could use to bless thousands. And that's the lesson we want to teach our children and that we want to learn ourselves too. And if you and your family have enjoyed today's story, you're going to be happy to know there are hundreds and hundreds of episodes of Adventures in Odyssey, and each one is going to uh, just fuel your child's imagination. And a great way to connect to all of this wonderful content is by joining the Adventures in Odyssey Club. Uh, we mentioned earlier there's a 14-day trial. It's free. Uh, club membership includes unlimited, on-demand streaming access to all the episodes, uh, plus daily devotions, fun videos, and much, much more. When you go by FocusOnTheFamily.com slash broadcast. And just a reminder, everything we do here at Focus on the Family is intended to grow God's kingdom and help you and your family thrive in Christ. Pretty simple. And we offer parenting help, marriage advice, counseling, and so many other things to help you spiritually. So don't hold back. Get in touch with us. I know a friendly person is going to answer the phone on our end and help you. And if you can't support Focus with a monthly or one-time gift, contact us today and be part of the ministry. Yeah, our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459, or you can donate and find help online at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. You're listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break here and then return with another faith-building program for your family. Stay tuned. Hi, Jim Daly here. Today's culture deeply needs help, but in times like these, the light of Christ can shine even brighter. So be encouraged to share his light in this broken world. Listen to the Refocus with Jim Daly podcast. Without time limitations, I'll have deep, heartfelt discussions with fascinating guests who will encourage you to share God's grace, truth, and love. Check out the podcast at refocuswithjimdaily.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 
But God calls us, invites us to stop and consider his works. And I believe that nature is one of the most incredible arenas where we get to work in tune with God's design for time. That's Erin Lynham, and she's our guest today on Focus on the Family, sharing insights about teaching your kids about God through the wonders of nature. And uh, it seems that in today's hectic culture, it um, is really helpful for us to step away from the busyness of life and get outdoors and turn that into a learning opportunity. Uh, That's what we'll cover today. Uh, Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fuller, and your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. John, I think it's great for all of us to get out into nature. It does something to revive us, to refresh us, especially spiritually, I think. And there's so many young people today that are suffering from a mental health crisis, you know, the loneliness factor, anxiety, depression. It's at all-time highs, and I think one of the great first things you can do is get your children out into nature, get yourself out there and Mm -hmm. start looking at the stars, looking at the mountains, looking at the streams. There is something great and rehabilitating for us in that regard. And we're going to talk today to a person who is a master naturalist. And uh, Aaron's going to bring a lot of great spiritual application to being outside. Yeah. Aaron Lynham is the mother of four kids. She is, as you said, a master naturalist, a Bible teacher, and she's written a terrific resource that uh, forms the foundation of our conversation today. It's called Rooted in Wonder, Nurturing Your Family's Faith Through God's Creation. We've got details at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. Aaron, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. Okay, so dinner conversation, you're out with friends, and you bring up uh, nature, and your husband says, yes, Aaron's a master naturalist. And of course, they're going to say, what's that? Yeah, <laughs> so that's always the first let's question. Let's start there. What is it? <laughs> so as a master naturalist, I am trained and certified in everything nature, birds and insects and animals and plants and how they all Goodness. work together. And further to pass that knowledge on in relevant and applicable ways. And as a believer, my desire for that was to be able to learn about nature in order to point people from creation to creator. Yeah. You know, with with, uh, Paul in the book of Romans, he points to this fact that nature screams, cries out about God's creation, right? You can see God in everything he created. That's a pretty powerful statement, and it must resonate with you. Yeah, that's actually the key scripture of the book, Romans one twenty, that his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world through what has been made, so that we are without excuse. Mm. And I love that idea that we can actually perceive the divine nature of God through what we see in creation. Yeah, that is so, so good. Uh, Nature is used as an illustration so often in the Bible. I mean, I think the Lord absolutely knew, of course, that we're always going to have nature around us in some way. And therefore, he could tell us parables or, you know, commit stories to scripture that we could connect with even 2,000 years later right? Mm -hmm. And it's pretty, pretty powerful. Um, You have a story in the book about your son noticing something. I love this because we've been to this location, the Dinosaur Monument National Park up here in northern Colorado. Mm -hmm. So what happened with your son that kind of uh, illustrates what we're talking about? So that's funny. Normally when I mention this story, I ask who's been to that park and almost no one raises yeah, their hand. No. It's, it's hard to get to. It is. And it's not the most popular national park, but it is beautiful. Yeah. And so we were visiting for a few days and we're driving through the national park and it was October. So it was 
parched. The whole land is just desolate and dry. The only things living out there are like sagebrush and juniper. But we're driving through, and the anomaly is the river. And where the river runs, there are these tall stands of cottonwood trees. And since it was October, the leaves were golden yellow, just Mm -hmm. swaying in the breeze, just beautifully. And my son, who was nine at the time, he spoke up from the back seat and said, Mom, I understand now why the trees grow by the river. They need the water for their roots. And I said, yeah, it's just like Psalm 1 that talks about someone who meditates or thinks on God's word day and night, that they are like trees firmly planted by streams of water, that their fruit yields in season and its Mm. leaf does not wither. And in all he does, he prospers. And I just thought that was so neat that now my son, when he sees a river and cottonwood trees, he can think about that person receiving the living waters of God's word. Definitely. How old was he when that happened? Nine. Yeah. Mm. That is so cool. And it it reinforces the fact that our kids are observing all the time, right? Yeah. And uh, again, reinforces the need to get them out into nature, which I think is wonderful. In fact, I think I've got photos of that trip we took. So we'll post those online. And uh, you could see Jean, and we have a video where she almost tripped over a rock. How about that one? Let's not post that one. Yeah, we'll just put a picture or two. um, Stars in the sky. I was always in love with astronomy, you know, Mm -hmm. the idea of the Mm -hmm. stars. Not astrology, don't get those mixed up. But astronomy, just the study of the stars and heavenly bodies, that kind of thing. I loved it since I was a little boy. The first job I had... I created a greenhouse for this older grumpy guy who paid me, I think it was $80. It was like a two-week job, so I don't (laughs) think I was making much. But I took that money, and I bought a telescope. Oh, wow. I mean, that's how motivated I was. I think I was probably 11 years old. And uh, I just love what God has done with the heavenly places. I mean, this is fascinating to me. The depth, the distance, infinity, universe. I mean, it's just amazing. You had a a good experience, I think, with your son uh, or your kids uh, seeing a solar eclipse, which again is awesome. (laughs) What happened? This was in 2017. We had just sold our home and bought a 20-foot travel trailer. Yay! Right? We were going to (laughs) explore the Pacific Northwest for nine weeks. And we started our trip in Newport, Oregon. And we arrived there just in time for the total solar eclipse. And this was an area that was known as a totality zone. And I didn't know what that meant when we got there. People were just telling me, oh, it's the best viewing point for it. But I had no idea what to expect. And so that morning when the solar eclipse started, slowly everything starts getting dark. And it's about 9 a.m. in the morning. And the craziest thing was the temperatures started plummeting quick. And the fog reversed and rolled back into the bay. And then the sea lions and the seagulls start going crazy. Like, what is going on? And soon, the sun is entirely blocked out. And everything is dark. You can see stars in the sky at 9 a.m. Oh, my goodness. And our son, who was four at the time, he just said, Mom, how does God do that? (laughs) And it was so incredible to see that he was making that connection. And I talk about that experience as one of my Hebron experiences, like Abram in Genesis 15, when God pointed to the stars and made that covenant promise. I think it's so important to notice that God anchored that promise, that truth in the visual of the night sky, and just how powerful that is. I love that at the beginning of that story, the first thing God does, we read, he brought Abram outside 
and how powerful that is for us, that we can bring our kids outside where they can have those Hebron experiences. And, you know, again, exposing them to nature, which Romans through Paul, he's mm-hmm. telling us that there's no excuse. Yeah. You look at nature, you know there's a God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it should be. Um, how does nature help us slow down and form meaningful connections with our kids? I mean, it, my camping experiences weren't always that. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't slow down. It was, hurry up, kids, we got to go. Yeah. Yeah, I love that in Job, we read, stop and consider the wondrous works of God. And that key word at the beginning, stop. We are raising kids in this fast-paced world and society where we are just go, go, go. But God calls us, invites us to stop and consider his works. And I believe that nature is one of the most incredible arenas where we get to work in tune with God's design for time. And so I love taking my kids out and spending an entire day losing track of time. where they That's are. That's a great taking, goal. It is. I've never thought of that. <laughs> it's wonderful. The days that we do it, you just, we drive out to the wilderness and they are so quick at it. Kids are naturally inclined to this way of play. And so they're quickly taken to the stream or the field or the flowers or the birds. It takes me longer Wow! to untangle the thoughts and the burdens of life and to just be with the Lord in creation, but to lose sense of time. And really what we're doing is we're stepping into God's limits of time and agreeing with him and how he means for us to spend it. Yeah, that is so good. I mm-hmm. wish I would have done that. Did you do anything? Well, like we that did time? a lot of camping, right? But, but it seems like sometimes we we were too quick to pack up and go to the next place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I like what that. you're saying about just being very intentional and slowing down and losing track of time. That's a gift. I like that. Lose yeah. track of time. That's wonderful. You speak about technology, and you wrote in the book about technology being an invasive species. I love that. The kudzu <laughs> of technology, yes. you know, choking out. <laughs> The flowers and the trees. Mm -hmm. Speak to the analogy and and what you're trying to derive from it. Yeah, so in recent years, we've just seen technology taking over the landscape of childhood. And so we have this visual of that in nature, and I make the connections between – so you have invasive species that are alien species. They're not supposed to be here. Like they're part of God's creation, but they're not meant to be in this location. And then you have native species that belong here. So – Invasive species were recently introduced in the past couple hundred years. Mm -hmm. It's a recent problem. And it was well-intentioned because we thought, oh, let's bring over this exotic beauty from other lands. It'll be great. They're beautiful. And they are. But the problem is that when you bring those in, they they quickly choke out, as you said, the landscape. And they, they take over. And the same is true with technology. It is a recent issue. Like my generation of parents is the first generation having to really navigate the tangles of this. And it was well-intentioned. A lot of technology is wonderful and we can use it for good. But when left unchecked, it takes over the landscape of our kids' childhoods and their souls. And we need to bring that back into balance like a healthy ecosystem and be able to say, okay, what is the healthy balance that we can strike here? This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. It's time to level up. Give your kids a safe, faith-focused, and biblically-based community, and so much more. Join the Adventures in Odyssey Club. Club members get on-demand access to the exciting Adventures in Odyssey series, including more than 900 episodes. With faith-building activities, parental controls, and a safe online community, the Adventures in Odyssey Club could be your best adventure yet. 
Learn more and start your free trial at adventuresinodyssey.com slash radio. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. You know, Aaron, my mind is kind of swirling with all the experiences that we had camping or hiking here in Colorado, mm-hmm. which I said at the open. This environment, and you live north of us, mm-hmm. uh, north of Denver, it's just a great uh, state for that reason. I mean, yes. I think it's probably one of the best. You know, you look at Montana, yeah. Colorado. It's, it's why it, we came. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's really, really special. And so I'm sorry for those that may not have that experience, but come and visit. But there's always something in some state that people can go do. Uh, But I'm thinking we were able, we had Trent, he was probably less than one because he was on a backpack on my back. And we were walking in the mountains up here, and we just happened to catch the monarch butterfly migration. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I, I wish I could do that again, but it was just accidental. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and we got up to the front range here, and we started walking through this meadow, and thousands mm-hmm. of monarch butterflies just started fluttering. And I remember Trent, even you know, 11, 12 months old, he just was trying to touch everything yeah, and grab yeah. them. And yeah, obviously, it was too slow to yeah. impede them. But it was a wonderful experience yeah. you know, for all of us, just watching those butterflies and all. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just a, a great experience to see your kids in that kind of environment. Yeah. And the, I think just the uh, amazement that you could even see on a one-year-old's face yeah. in that situation. Aaron, uh, we look at studies now that are showing that prayer is so helpful in recovery, surgical recovery, et cetera. Now, you know, most doctors, even non-believers say that prayer really helps a person recover from those surgeries and things like that. Uh, There's also evidence, I believe, uh, where being in nature is helping with mental and physical recovery or or stimulus. Uh, Speak to that research and that benefit. There is. There have been studies done. One shows that Patients in a hospital, they were studied patients who had a view of a building or a brick wall outside their window compared to patients who had a view of a natural space or trees. Mm. And the patients that could look out at creation healed quicker and better, and their mentality in recovery was so much better. Okay, someone's going, oh, phooey, that that just doesn't even sound right. But back it up again. I mean, this is what they're watching. This is what they're looking at. Yeah, I share the study in my book, and it was so fascinating to dig into that science is actually pointing to this, and even to the point that hospitals are keeping this in mind in their designs and how much nature they have around the hospital and out the windows. Or like, I think if a hospital wants to start getting better reviews, put some potted ferns in the patient's room, like help them recover through that, that power of nature. I think that's phenomenal. And again, it points scripturally to God's creation and what he intends for us. Mm -hmm. In Philippians 4, 8, God commands us to set our minds on things that are good, which is obvious. How does time in creation, you know, spending time in creation, help Christians set their minds on the right things? Well, everybody really, but particularly Mm -hmm. Christians who can understand it from that vantage point. Mm -hmm. I love in that scripture that God pairs together lovely and true, Mm. and that we can see that in the beauty of his creation, there is truth. And when we surround ourselves with that, like God is the bringer of life. And so when we surround ourselves with the life that he has created, we feel more alive. My son one day during a particularly difficult season of life, he said, Mom, we need to go hiking to sort our thoughts. Wow. And I thought that was so profound. Wow. And he was right. We went hiking and there's 
it takes a certain amount of time. Usually it's like two miles for me. Once I've been out in the woods for an hour or so, I just sense the Lord's nearness. Mm. And my thoughts begin to, as my son would say, sort themselves out. Mm. And I believe God created it that way, that he gave us nature as this mental health resource Yeah, that we can go out and think upon everything lovely and true and good and honorable and just. And we have these incredible visuals to help us do that. Yeah, that's so good. And I hope, I mean, people are hearing this. This is the purpose of today's program is to make you think about getting out and getting your children out into the wilderness. It doesn't have to be far, just something outside, right? Yeah. And and like you mentioned, Jim, yeah, we live in Colorado and we're so blessed to have all this nature. But for my family, this didn't start in Colorado. It started in Kansas City, in the city. Hmm. And we would just take these day trips to every little patch of nature we could find, whether yeah. that was the green space down the street or a nature trail at the edge of the city. This is available to everyone. God's creation is all around us. Yeah. And you can make these small tweaks in your family and in your agenda to make sure that you're exposing your kids to God's life-giving creation. Yeah, nature museums are outstanding, yes. especially for kids. I remember we were at Smithsonian, and they, you know, they had, a, am sure, a caretaker. I don't know what they're qualified. I'm sure they were highly qualified, but it was a tarantula spider that we were assured was not dangerous. <laughs> but I, I think Troy was like seven and Trent was like nine. And of course they let it crawl all over them and we were freaking out a little, but you know, it's just a great experience. Some of those nature museums mm-hmm. do a wonderful job yeah. exploring things with kids and letting children actually touch, feel, and sense the things in nature. Um, let's keep moving. Um, there was a time where your grandmother was near death and God helped you have an eternal perspective and use nature in that regard. How, mm-hmm. Again, you're so tuned in with it. That's what I love. But how did you connect those dots and were your kids around for that experience? This was profound for me. My, As you mentioned, my grandmother was dying. And so I was flying out to visit her in Pennsylvania before she passed. And um, I took my oldest son with me for that trip. And the last time he had flown, he was very young, so he didn't remember it. And so while we were up in the air, it was cloudy, and he was able to see, you know, when you're in a plane and you look down on the clouds, and they look like they're almost like waxing and waning like Mm. a lava lamp. Yeah. And that was really neat to show him, like, even before flight, those clouds were always there. Mm. They were always there, even if we didn't know it and couldn't see it from that perspective. And so later that week, when I returned home from my trip, my kids asked me, what happens when someone dies? Mm. And I had experienced my grandma was a brand new believer. She trusted in the Lord weeks before her passing. Hmm. And so when I was sitting by her bedside, she was fearful because she had faith and she believed in the Lord, but she was a new believer and and didn't know what was going to happen. Right. And so I was able to talk with my kids that even if we don't know exactly what that looks like, that passing, just like the clouds in the sky that we couldn't see from the perspective of the air, it's still happening. It's yeah. still there. And I was able to give them that visual that like there's so much that, yeah, we can't see, but just like Hebrews says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. We have that evidence. Yeah. And you know, the Lord uses that nature to illustrate things for us. Uh, in a similar way, my mom, she was a new believer. You know, she accepted Christ the day before she died. Wow. And yet her funeral was amazing, and everybody noticed the clouds formed like a staircase. Mm-hmm. It was mm. phenomenal. Hmm. I mean, all of us stopped and looked. At, I was 10 years old, and I was going, wow. And my brother Mike, that started him on his faith journey, was that 
that day at my mother's graveside, the clouds just look like a staircase. There's no way to describe it other than that. And uh, years later, my mom's best friend, who I had lost touch with, she specifically asked me about the family where we were at. And I said, well, four of the five of us kids had become Christian. And she started bawling. And she said, that day of your mother's funeral, I had a vision of your mom going up into heaven with all the kids going up. Isn't that amazing? Wow. And now finally my sister has become a Christian. So uh, it's, it's become true, oh all five God. of us. So, you know, it's just awesome how God can use nature yeah. in that way. Yeah. And my... some people go, seriously? Seriously. Yeah. Mm. I experienced it. I yeah. saw it change my brother's life. Yeah. My husband's brother passed last year. Mm. And the night of his passing, the sky lit up with aurora borealis, northern lights. Wow. And it was yeah. such a confirmation to us that the Lord was there. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and I think ancient people understood this better than we do because mm-hmm. we're so drowned out by the city lights yeah. and everything else, modern life. They were, it feels like they were far more in tune with God working through his nature to touch our souls yeah. than we are today. I agree. That's why mm-hmm. we're encouraging you to crack that can open for your kids so they can experience and taste it mm-hmm. so that it makes a difference in their lives. It, it, you have a story about your boys and their reactions to a forest you visited uh, during a wildfire. Yeah. I mean, that that's an interesting perspective. What happened? Mm-hmm. Well, here in Colorado, you guys know we're yeah. familiar. There's a fire burning up in the hills right now. We saw the smoke from. Mm-hmm. And in 2020, the largest wildfire in Colorado's written history burned a few miles from our home for three months. Mm. And so our kids witnessed that. Mm. And three months of just choking smoke, there were days we couldn't go outside. And of course, 2020 was hard for everyone. And we ached to be out in creation during that time. But we couldn't let our kids go outside. We couldn't hike. And that was the most stifling part of that year for me was the wildfire. Mm -hmm. But when that fire finally laid down under a blanket of snow, we started revisiting the forest. And it's incredible to witness and to see your kids witness a forest that has burned because wildfire is actually a natural restorative process Mm -hmm. in the landscape. And what happens, there's some plants that can't even reproduce except for the extreme temperatures like wildfire. They have a serotonous seed in them. And what you see is fireweed, brilliant pink flowers just contrasting the black forest and aspen saplings come up. And our kids can see that even after devastation, there is new life. And I remember one day we were driving and exploring the fire-affected area, and this mama elk and her brand-new calf walk out of the woods. And it dawned on me that she would have been pregnant the full duration of our wildfire. Hmm. And it was such this beautiful image of new life after death, after devastation. And like scripture is full of this. God is the bringer of new life and restoration. And we get to see that through things like wildfire. Yeah. You you know, what's so profound about that is Satan, like John 10.10 says, Mm -hmm. he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And it's like every time Satan is trying to thwart God's plan through destruction, the saplings come up. Mm -hmm. He cannot achieve it. It's like God turns everything to his purposes, Mm -hmm. including Mm -hmm. nature. And it's true of our own hearts. Yeah. Those things that devastate us in this life, the Lord will use to draw up new life out of you if you let them. 
Yes. And that's what you see in nature. Uh, the title of your book is Rooted in Wonder, and you talk about how that wonder is a big element of the childlike faith that he calls us to. Go to that biblical perspective. How does nature foster this childlike wonder towards God and creation mm-hmm. in our families? And probably hit that scripture where the Lord is saying, you know, be humble like a child. Don't be an adult. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think there's an important distinction between childish and childlike. Mm. And sometimes we just think of them the same, but they're not. Childish is this immaturity that ideally we grow out of. Childlike is this wonder-filled perspective on life and faith. And my kids have reawakened that within me as Uh I see them reconnecting with God in creation. And I love to think about those stories where Jesus is out teaching and there are children all around. And I love just picturing, like, I love house sparrows. They're outside in my yard all the time. Um, They're one of the most prevalent and common birds. And the oldest fossil of one was discovered in Bethlehem. Oh. And so it's very likely that when Jesus was teaching, there's kids over here and there's house sparrows jumping around on the ground. And I, I love just picturing him drawing from those analogies when he teaches with with a mustard seed and soil and an olive tree and sparrows. And kids connect with that. They mm. are so in tune with nature that they have this incredible just they love those resources those analogies those visuals and that's how god made it and it's this this childlike faith that we also as adults can have reawaken within within us yeah and again what a wonderful parenting direction to go and sometimes we miss this you know we're just too busy and things take over the kudzu mm-hmm. <laughs> you know the invasive species of our lives as mom and dad keep us from pointing our children toward nature. So what a great reminder, Aaron. Rooted in wonder, nurturing your family's faith through God's creation. I think this has been really interesting. I wasn't quite sure where all this would have gone today, but I just so appreciate your spirit and what you and your husband have done to help your kids better understand God's nature. Why not do this? If you have kids in your home, I don't care what the age they are, but uh, get them introduced more deeply into God's creation. And especially for the grandparents, what a wonderful thing to talk to your adult kids about doing. If you've heard today's program, pass it on to your adult kids and say, hey, this had some good stuff in it today. And if you can make a gift of any amount to focus, be part of the ministry, we'll send you a copy of Aaron's book, Rooted in Wonder, as our way of saying thank you for being part of helping families to thrive in Christ through Focus on the Family. Mm. Donate when you get in touch today. Our phone number is 800, the letter A in the word family, 800 232 6459 or stop by slash broadcast to find out more about uh, Aaron's terrific book, Rooted in Wonder. Aaron, thanks again for being with us, and we'll look forward to next time. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for having me. And thank you for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Smalley. And I'm Erin Smalley. Marriage is an amazing gift from God, but it can also be a challenge sometimes. That's right. We could all use a little guidance. And that's why we started our podcast, Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. We talk about things like recognizing conflict cycles, dealing with stress, and how to grow your love each day. Listen at crazylittlethingcalledmarriage.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We can't wait to see you there.